Welcome to Startup Jab. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 30. That's right, episode 30 of Startup Jab. Uh, I am one of your two hosts, Jason Ellis. With me, as always, the uh, raspberry to my strawberry, Teague Hopkins. Teague, how are you, sir? <laughs> That's a perfect answer. Um, we, uh, for the first time in a little while, are doing a new Blab show. So for those of you listening via podcast, if the sound and the audio challenges are, are a little bit new again, don't worry. We're going to smooth them out, I promise. But in the meantime, we are thoroughly excited to have our guest this week. Uh, the gentleman behind Wolf Three Five Nine. Teague, first things first. Introduce our guest. I think I think you can really do this justice better than I can. So Gabrielle and Zach are 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 the creators of the award winning Wolf Three Five Nine podcast. Um, the the addictive Wolf Three Five Nine podcast. I, yes, I will admit that I have I have I have listened to uh, to, to the second and and to, to the entire second season in the last like two weeks. Um, after you know being a little slow on the uptake, but I'm I'm, I'm getting I'm getting with the program, um, and uh, and they've just started the the third season on uh, on Valentine's Day it was the, the first episode of the third season went out, um, so we're uh, we're excited to talk to them about their journey so far and and a little bit about their plans for the future. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh oh, I can't hear you now. Yeah, something happened. Did you guys mute yourselves? You switched the wrong micro microphone source. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. All right. I'm going to pause this for a second. And we're back, having solved some uh, some technical difficulties. So welcome back to the show. Great to be uh, here. <laughs> yeah, as, 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 as Gabriel said, um, plus 20 sanity points for, for solving this problem and realizing that there actually was a, there was a cause to the technical problem. It wasn't simply that we were all hearing a random echo. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's talk a little bit about how you guys started Wolf 359. Um, and also is it, is it Wolf 359 or Wolf 359? It depends on who you ask. We have always called it Wolf 359. Yes. Apparently uh -huh. other people okay. use this star in other media. Some people have called it Wolf 359. Some people have called it Wolf 359. Some people have called it Wolf 359. Yeah. Um, I'm clinical. You know, yeah. It's a real star in our galaxy. Yes. Galaxy? It is oh, yeah, also no, a real star galaxy. in Star Trek. Yeah. Yes. It is also a site of a <laughs> epic is. battle in Star Trek. It's always funny to see on that is true. creeps into our tag. Like the star the Trekkies. The like which Star Trek conversations yeah. just kind of end up piggybacking <laughs> and ended up in our tag on Tumblr, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how did we? How did it start? Um, one day, this crazy idea for this plot about these people who were stuck on the space station just popped into my head, and I had this very clear idea of this very odd character who was just stuck monitoring a radio on a space station, and it just felt like something that wanted to be an audio drama to go on the internet, and. That would have pretty much been it, except I made a fatal error by telling Facebook about this revelation. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where I come in. I, I got this uh, 
message from a mutual friend of ours uh, that just had my name, like the way you can tag somebody on a post. Um, and the original post read, looking for voiceover actor. <laughs> I was like, I'm one of those. Uh, it sounded like a really compelling idea. Uh, it was very, uh, very sketchy at the time. Um, it was just like, you know, we have a, I have an idea for a one-man radio show, and I'm looking for a voiceover actor. At the time, I had just signed with a commercial agency, and the idea of doing something a little bit more creative was really attractive because I was doing a lot of commercial auditions, um, which varied by, mm -hmm. like, you know, hairs in terms of creativity. Um, <laughs> And I think that we were also just both attracted to the idea of doing something and getting it out there quickly. Yes. Because I was at the time working in filmmaking in Los Angeles. You were here in New York trying to get voice acting jobs. And everything just seemed this lumbering dinosaur of we'll have a meeting and then a follow-up and then a tete-a-tete. -a -tete, and then we'll maybe consider contractual drafting in order to later on lead to some pre-production, yeah. which might perhaps go into development at a later point in time. Exactly. And we were just like, there has to be a way to just get content done quickly in a fun way without it taking years to maybe come together. Yeah. And, uh, right. you know, essentially I uh, hounded Gabrielle on Facebook Messenger for a couple weeks until he coughed up a pilot script for me to read. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think my, my only piece of feedback was this is great and I wouldn't listen to it because there are so many great characters that are happening off screen that I want to hear. And that's when we, mm -hmm. the, the Wolf 359 that we know and people you know, or sharing about today came into me, or at yeah. least, you know, conceptually. Sure. So, so it, you... it started. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, T. Can you guys speak a little bit to your creative influences? I mean, as you're pulling the script together and you're starting to think about it conceptually, did you go back to old radio dramas like oh, yeah. uh, The Shadow or, you know, the old Buck Rogers or that kind of stuff? Uh, man, I haven't listened to the shadows since I was a kid. That's awesome. I love the I love the shadow. Um, yeah, yeah, that there was a part of my homework. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Um, <laughs> I grew up yeah. listening to a lot of um, radio dramas as a kid, sort of like um, those really, really old school ones from the 1940s and 50s, which have since lapsed into public domain. I remember one day I discovered some websites online that just had all of them. And it was basically like finding this compendium of 200 awesome movies that you can listen to for free. Um, and there went many, many weekends of my life. Um, <laughs> the main ones I think that I was kind of thinking back to when I was thinking about Wolf 359 were this show called Escape. Um, and the main premise of Escape was that it would always start off with these people who, in one episode, they would be in this lighthouse in the middle of an ocean with no way to make it out. And then another one, somebody, they were on a plane and they crashed into the Himalayas and they were trapped there. And then another one, they were trapped in a submarine that had lost power. And it was always the show about these people who were in these situations from which there was no escape. And they were just super dramatic and bombastic about it. Um, and I was listening back to a lot of those stories when I was thinking about making a show about people who were stuck on a space station and who were um, isolated and cut off from everyone and from places where there was no escape. Uh, so yeah, I think that escape was the main thing that I was going back to and listening as I was trying to figure out 
how the show would come together. And as an audiobook junkie and a sci-fi fan, um, you know, it, it was a very natural fit for me um, coming into this world of, you know, just like very reminiscent of the sort of farscapes of the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had grown up listening to Jim Dale like an addict, um, just like, you know, pull off over 300 original voices for the Harry Potter series. And so the idea of getting mm -hmm. to play two characters was really attractive for me, especially mm -hmm. somebody with a non, you know, American accent, um, which is not something that you really get the chance to do in commercial, commercial voice acting. City. You don't often get like <laughs> Russian scientists trying yes. to sell you hot dogs. <laughs> you should drink us. Do you not? Wait. Who drinks you? So... Uh, take us back to the the very very beginning of the show. So so Gabrielle is living in California. Zach is in in, uh, in in New York recording. You know, in your closet, right? And uh, and and your <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, so you, so you're you're you know you're, you're creating this thing out of nothing. You're you're putting it out there. What kind of of reception were you expecting and what did you find and and like how did those the first the first episode or two that you put out there what 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 was the what was the experience of that that's a really good question um i think that we went into it with basically no expectations in terms of reception um i love a lot of podcasts and Lord knows that half of my podcast list is things like Radiolab that half of North America is listening to. And the other half of it are things that I think I am one of a dozen people that listen to that show. Like even the host's mom and dad haven't quite gotten around <laughs> to them yet. And some of those are my favorite shows. So I remember just thinking, if that's all we ever are, if we're something that five people listen to as long as we are something that we enjoy doing, yes. it'll be fine. And I think that was a good approach because for the first couple of episodes, it definitely was five people listening and that was it. Um, yeah. We were really focused on making something that was a, something we would be proud of that we would want to listen to. Um, and, and we're very much focused on that creative self-expression. And it's only very recently that we've sort of like feeling like we have that down um, or at least, you know, uh, we've only very recently sort of pivoted our attention to, you know, to growth and seeing how many people would like this. And with that said, a lot of, um, a lot of what was great about that first season when it was basically our moms listening was that it gave us a lot of freedom to just experiment and throw things at the wall because anyone, but especially me will tell you that I think that it took us about 10 episodes to really figure out how the show worked and what it wanted to be. Very and it was great to be able to do that without immediately getting an avalanche of tweets and reviews on iTunes, just kind of being WTF. Yeah. What is going on here? Um, so, and likewise, you know, our first website definitely needed thinking out and sort of like reimagining a little bit. There was just a lot of things where our philosophy was, let's put things out there, let's see what works, and then let's go back and polish. Yeah. Um, and being able to do that with a small audience of mostly people that we knew. And that's, it's like yes and no, 
you know, we were really firmly in that mindset. It would have stayed a one-person show and been recorded in my closet, you know, but we got really And it would have lasted four episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is I think we got really clear that, like, we do want to get things out there as quickly as possible with, like, it needs to be this A certain level of quality, right? Exactly. And so that's where we, we sure. shirked in our friend, yeah. uh, one of my friends, um, and just a really stand-up engineer, audio engineer, Jared Paul, um, who, and just TLDR, this entire team is uh, a bunch of people who went to the same college. I can't say we were college friends because we weren't friends in college. Right. Um, but we all sort of had creative crushes on each other. Um, and so we've slowly looped different, you know, people in over the, you know, the two years that we've been doing it. Um, and so, yeah, so Jared hooked us up with some studio time. I think I had gotten him some work with a friend's feature film. So he owed us a solid and I, you know, it was just a great guy and, you know, gave us a sort of friends and family rate. There's definitely a lot of the first, say, six episodes that were built on, hey, I did this guy a solid once. Yeah. And now they're going to come help us out with this recommendation or sort of getting our name out there or just like hooking us up with this person that might want to act. Yeah. Very so, much, yeah. very much the beg, borrow, and steal model. Very much so. Very 100%. much so. So we've got a couple questions from the audience here that we'll that we'll Ooh, take. Sure. Um, we're we're uh, so first off, there, uh, Scott asks, what sort of budget is there for individual episodes? Hmm. Great question. It varies, um, and the main factor that will cause an episode to balloon in budget is how um, sound effect intensive mm -hmm. it is. Um, because very early on, I realized that we could record people very well, but we did not have the Foley skills or the time and energy to kind of be figuring out, ooh, if we join like aluminum with this particular kind of pen, we can create this whatever thing. Um, so most of the submarine sounds is something that really works for a creaky old spaceship. Exactly. Um, and so the vast majority of the... Um, and by this, I mean 99.9% .9 of the sound effects for the show are all licensed from media marketplace sites. Mm -hmm. And so with something that is an episode where they are fighting some mutant creature and there are a lot of actions and there's a lot of guns and explosions and weird animal sound effects, then the budget can really spiral upwards. Yeah. And usually after that episode, you'll notice that the next episode is, and in this episode, three characters talk for 22 minutes <laughs> yeah. quietly yeah. while sitting the, in the chairs, very still. Right. Yeah. The, little, um, the little 359 version of a bottle episode is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, between studio time, sound effects, licensing, and just kind of like regular server and maintenance things. Snacks, don't forget snacks. Snacks are part of it for our actors and our personnel. Printing, um, printing scripts. Printing so. scripts. I would say that most episodes cost somewhere in the neighborhood of between $150 and $300. Yeah, um, with exceptions going up to five. And I think the other big driver of cost is, uh, especially now that one of our actresses doesn't live in New York City, um, additional studio time, where previously mm -hmm. we would be able to get two full episodes in the can in a three-hour, three or four-hour recording session sometimes now we need six hours 
uh, depending on what people's availability right. are. And it's funny because costs have been going up in the show. And sometimes we sort of tell people these numbers and they're scandalized as their jaws drop. And most of us that work on the team, so we come from the world of film and theater, yeah. where what it costs us to make an episode is what it costs to feed half the crew for an afternoon. So it's all context. It's right. all about context. And it's we right. free, and it's certainly not cheap, you know, for two 20-something-year-olds to cobble together. But relative to what it would cost to do this in a visual medium. In any other visual medium. Except for maybe a... Web comics, comic. right. But even then, like, you know, costs can go up really quickly. And audio, I think, has been a really attractive medium for us for just that reason. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so, so how are you guys paying for these costs? Out of pocket, pretty much. Yeah, this you're basically is... just it's 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 self funded, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, bootstrapped, as it were. Indeed, um, like every good startup. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think it's like we were really clear from from day one that we wanted to put something out in the universe that people could look at, and you know, and we could really establish ourselves. I know for Gabrielle was a writer and, uh, and a, a, an aspiring showrunner, no longer aspiring, um, you know, uh, he has that credit. And similarly, like as the, you know, the lowly, Ooh. are we still on? We might not be on. I do. I, I hear you guys. Suddenly Great. all the video disappeared. Yeah, just was waiting for it. I don't know if you guys are recording audio, we can just keep going. Yeah, we'll, we'll just keep, keep going. going. Well, yeah. Yep, people hear us, so let's okay, keep great. going. Um, so, like I was saying, as like the lowly, you know, newbie VO actor that was too young to do alcohol ads at the time, I was like hungry to be, you know, get some. Right. Oh my god, I yeah. forgot about that. You can't do alcohol ads until you're 25. And at the time, I think it was like 23, 24. Yeah. Huh. And so, um, so yeah. So now, at the, at the time, it was like I want to have something out there that's like. Oh, get me that guy for my candy bar ad, you know. So uh, anyway, here we are. Nobody sells candy. Nice. So, so we're having all kinds of Hephaestus-like difficulties on this on this episode, um, but uh, we'll we'll power through it. Ready? So, um, so uh, Zach, you were just talking about some of your previous voice acting experience, and I wanted to ask you about your your. You mentioned doing uh, sensual voiceovers for for an app. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, this is where I leave. <laughs> so, um, uh, we're a really good friend of mine um, made an introduction, like, not even a month or two ago, uh, to a gentleman starting a startup in the vein of Headspace, if you're familiar with that app, which is the, like, premier guided meditations on your phone. Um, and I do a mental health awareness campaign in my free time called Project Uplift, which is all mindfulness-based. And so, you know, and I do voice acting. So it was a really good fit when I met uh, Darren, who's created an app called Pillow.io, um, which is uh, a website, Pillow.io, you can go to. And um, I uh, am the male voice for guided sensual adventures for couples. Uh, of all things, and it's not porn um, or porny. It is very uh, like sort of like clinical, like warm, welcoming. Any partners can join in. It's not gendered or you know. for all of my constant riffing on it. It seems nothing if not exceedingly 
mature and tasteful and well thought out. I'm really proud to be a part of it, and uh, and it's super fun to do. And uh, you know, as far as uh, like paying voiceover work goes, he's he's making it work for me, um, and I'm excited to you know I'm excited to meet the bank teller that I ask for you know a withdrawal, and they just give me a funny look. I'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Some, I, someday not, someone's gonna I, recognize your voice in public and you're gonna you're gonna think where do they know me from yeah <laughs> well well every so so my background prior to, to starting a company was I, I was a theater kid out mm -hmm. here in dc and i know for a fact that the first time somebody goes oh my god you're the guy from blank it doesn't matter if it's wolf 359 or pillow, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to be so excited. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want to I want to shift a little bit because I think that there's a couple of really good questions we're getting from our audience here that I want to make sure we address. Um, right. Another uh, individual type here asks: Were there any kind of technical difficult? Excuse me, technical hurdles that you ran into that you didn't expect, and how did you deal with them? So obviously, now that you're in your third season, there must be some stories that you can share about some of the technical challenges you've experienced. Yeah, I think the the, the trickiest thing that we've run into in the booth um, is we have one remote actress uh, who plays our computer right. system. And in the beginning, we were you know sort of recording her asynchronously and, and editing it in later. And we had our best results when we would Skype her in to a recording session while we were in the studio. But that process could set us back as much as an hour of tinkering. Yeah. I think that also just like in terms of just sheer audio technical challenges, the big one has always mm -hmm. been how do you make it work when people are recording in different spaces and how you make it work when people are recording with different microphones in different rooms with different sound qualities. Um, right. And it was kind of an interesting moment when we started the show where it was very much these are the people that we want to work with. Yes. These are the characters. How do we make it work? Um, and I think that the way that we eventually solved that was kind of arriving at this idea of the people that are remote will always be heard through some kind of filter. Yeah, whether it's Exactly, or, or the PA system. There will always be some in-universe reason for their voices to sound noticeably different than everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. And it was kind of very much like a moment of we're going to try to turn this bug into a feature and try to um, benefit from the fact that the voices yeah. sound different and that yeah. there is a different quality to them. And I see, well, so I just see a related question in the side, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Kayla Buckley, um, with uh, how, do you, how do you record Emma now that she's moved? And I think you, you will hear her through filters. And when you don't, it's because we've either by hook or by crook gotten her to New York or, you know, we've all gone out to Colorado, which is not going to be the case. Um, <laughs> never well, say never. Never say never. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, well, but let me ask this. Why, why not, for example, find a way to have her record locally and then ship the tracks to you? Because I know that a lot of voiceover actors say that are doing, you know, like I'm sure you might. You're in New York. There's a company in California that wants your tracks. You go in and lay, you know, you lay down a couple of tracks and then shoot it off to them. Why not apply the same technique to to the show? 
A couple reasons. Right. I think the most of which is that there will be slight differences, whether it's room tone, and it's mm -hmm. the sort of thing that by the time it goes through the sort of, we call it the iTunes filter, which is just the degradation when you bounce it all out to, you know, low res MP3. Compression, yeah. People yeah. probably yeah. wouldn't notice, but we would. And so, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, if we were all recording in like a $200 an hour, you know, like premier national commercial voiceover booth uh, in Midtown, probably wouldn't be as much of an issue because we just get a totally neutral recording or not. And it's the yeah. thing where, you know, we'd rather cover our bases creatively than diminish the integrity of that sound for anybody who's like us would be a super nerd and notice. Yeah. Sure. Plus it's got character. Exactly. Right? It's not a totally flat sound. It's, it's, you've, you've created the, the, you know, the acoustic properties of the Hephaestus and you can never, you can never go back to that. Right. Or you never back. Sure. So speaking of, of, uh, of, of writing the show, Another question from our audience here. Um, is there ever a worry over writing yourself into a corner? Do you have the way out planned before the problem ever makes it to air? No, <laughs> man, we're awful at this. It, like We very much are like every season finale, it really is. How horrible can we possibly make the situation? And just like how much trouble can we put these people into? And what is the like single most like unbearably difficult thing that we can come up with? Leave that for a month. Have absolutely no idea of what is going to happen next and how we're going to bounce back. And then, like a month and a half later, I'm pulling out my hairs trying to solve the puzzle of how do you get these people out of it in a way that is ever realistic. Um, so the answer to this question is kind of a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, because no, we are fearless about the weird things that we do and like making it all really big and really odd and really crazy. But we rarely have ever have like the next move pre-planned before we make it really weird and big and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then there's a follow-up question here. Um, how much, if anything, is improvised? Or is it all, do, do you stick to the script? That's a better one for you. We mostly stick to the script with some exceptions. And Gabrielle, I think, is one of the more generous writers I've worked with in terms of fudging lines and changing words. Just like, you know, I think... He's open to, and it's always been a collaborative process, the development of the characters. And so there's anything that like, and he also just has a habit of writing things that sometimes might be unpronounceable yeah. um, and are very smart and very witty and very true to the core of the character, but are not things that live <laughs> off of a page. Exactly. And they're all great <laughs> until you actually try to say them out loud. And then you're like, oh, wait, yeah. no, that is not something a human tongue can that's do. Right. There is no human that's going to get their math around that sentence. You know, um, <laughs> so yeah, so and and we work those out. You know, usually in the first table read, if not in the rehearsal, and if not in the booth. Um, and by that point, it's like yeah, 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 whatever. Let's get going. Yeah. Um, there are critical moments of Zach. It is now time to turn the make shit on, make shit up button on, um, or off, or off. Specific, yeah. yeah, or off. Um, and I think. There was like one line that had to be the, you know, like these people have serious trust issues. It was really important that it be exactly that um, in right. episode one. In the first episode. Um, that was and, half an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was like the Eiffel does the Lord's Prayer, which was like, have at it, Zach. Yeah, that was, <laughs> there, have been, there have been a few times when you guys have come up with great things. And I remember that one time 
it didn't even say Eiffel had the Lord's Prayer. It just sort of said, like, Eiffel screams in terror, I think, is what's in the script. And you sort of, like, on the day of the recording, just kind of went, you know, this could be something a little bit better. What if it was just, like, the Lord's Prayer? And it was one of the things that was, like, we were in the middle of recording. We didn't have time to come up with a good mangled version of it. So it was just kind of this, Zach, do you remember the Lord's, do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Kinda great. Just go. <laughs> Just say Kinda is close enough. <laughs> it's in character. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say that eighty percent of the shows are very solidly what's in the script. Fifteen percent of it are riffs on what's in the script and sort of slight adjustments mm. and slight, you know, instead of saying I cannot do that, I can't do that. Those kinds of adjustments. And then there's 5% that are things that we discover in the studio. Nice. So shifting gears a little bit, um, another question from our audience is about uh, the business side of things. How do you guys plan to monetize? Do you have plans for merchandise for the show in the future? When can we all buy our Wolf 359 t-shirts? Well, that's all the time we have. Glad yeah. you're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Benefit. 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 this question, I think one thing that we've gotten really clear about is we are focused on making a show um, and making a show we love, making a show that that as many people as possible would want to listen to. Um, and that has been our focus. And that's been one of the reasons why you haven't seen a shirt because it takes time to make a shirt worth wearing because we you know, have decided to not just write how could dare you on a white tee and just give it you know, put it online for sale. And there definitely have been times when it's been a choice between we could say have a 13 episode second season and get our merchandising front together, or we could have a 15 episode second season and put that on the back burner. And the choice has always kind of ended up being, it has always felt better to focus on making more and better show. Exactly. And what's been cool is the stopgap of the fan art that's come online and Redbubble and other various merchandising yeah. stores so that the, I feel like the community has really stepped up to share their affinity for the show. But that's sidestepping your question, which is <laughs> we're definitely thinking about it because it's a massive burn in our pockets. Um, it has been, sure. I think, publicly a money-losing endeavor um, with the close exception of the live show, which did lose money, but... A lot less than usual. A lot less than we were expecting or dreading, yeah. Yeah, um, which was great. And, um, and, you know, I think, you know, we've thought about crowdfunding platforms. Uh, I am a huge Indiegogo Kickstarter person. I know Gabrielle loves Patreon. And I think that, you know, if we were to pick any platform, we'd probably go with Patreon. It feels like a really good fit for cultivating mm-hmm. community. And it feels like something that is very much a chance for us to immediately give back to people um, in a sort of very palpable and very and immediate way. Yeah. You know, where a Kickstarter would be like, you know, a one-off thing. Like I, I think we have increasingly more ideas about what we would do in the way of bonus content and, you know, just like uh, sort of like breaking that uh, like fourth wall, you know, letting people into the behind the scenes more who would be interested. So we definitely have our minds on it. We don't have any, specific dates or plans in mind right now. Uh, but I think you can expect in the next year or so to see something online um, where, you know, 
we can keep this thing going. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep the Hephaestus from falling into the sun. And I think that we did have our first piece of official Wolf 359 merchandise, which was we broke someone's mug yeah. because we scared them while they were listening to an episode and it yes. made, and they it dropped it. One piece of merch. And it broke. And they sent us a message just saying, you owe us a new mug. And we kind of went, all right, you, you asked <laughs> and, you re- and you shall receive. Jumped into Photoshop, slapped something together, and uh, it was really cool to see that pop up on Tumblr. And, you know, get to connect with yeah. That is pretty cool. All the way in Australia. It's a unique, one-time-only exclusive. And the best part was it right. came in, like the photo of the box it came in, and we had no control over this. It came in something that looked like what you would ship a human heart in. It was like, uh, yeah. huge, like, what was it like a like styrofoam, styrofoam yeah. box with like a ton of tape and like fragile yeah you could have shipped like and it. you could have fit like a bowling ball in there yeah it was, it was so unnecessary yeah. <laughs> for like this tiny little bug so you you've you've got a a you know in, in thinking about doing something like patreon right it, it's it's the kind of thing that also only works once you've got this this great show and this great following. And I know you you mentioned that um, Zach, you mentioned that your favorite growth hack was was making a show that you love. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a great way to look at it, and a lot of a great way for a lot of entrepreneurs. Talk to me about how the audience has grown over time. How how big? How many people listened to the first season? Like when it was airing? That's a great question. And just like, I, and I think like the the question of how it grew over time, especially more recently, like there are people in the chat box and familiar names that I think would be able to answer that question better than us because it's definitely tumbled out of our control, predominantly on Tumblr. Tumblr. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how how would you say? I would say that getting started. My mom wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I would say that being generous, I think that somewhere that around the end of the first season, there was maybe close to a hundred people listening to the show. And I think that is being generous. I remember. No, no, no. Yeah. That's not like 100 downloads in a day. That's yeah. like, we think that it was like about a hundred people subscribed to the yeah. show. Um, I remember one day for whatever reason, somebody posted about us on Reddit and we got, 300 downloads in a day and at the time that was you know all of a sudden the scale of our downloads just quadrupled all of a sudden Mm -hmm. um and we had no idea what was going on and then the next day that kind of like post on reddit went into one of the back pages and we were right back to (laughs) yeah the same (laughs) listening to us and it was just like great well that was fun while it lasted um i think that it was really Halfway through the second season, I think, is when suddenly we started to just kind of see the conversation start happening online. It was my birthday, April 9th, 2015. Um, 2015. first two pieces of fan art showed up. One was this animation, like this video game animation of a scene. And, uh, And we've never seen or heard from this person again. They just like ripped the audio from the show and like used a video game engine to like record a scene. That's um, amazing. Um, Extreme Danger Bug. Yep. And uh, and then an artist, uh, Random Dragon, I believe, put up a piece 
if I'm not mistaken, um, that no, there were a few before that. Okay. Yeah, there were a few, there were there were there was a few before. I remember the one you're thinking about for your birthday, and that was an earlier artist. I can't remember their name at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I think like as far as like like I remember like the first time that I got onto Tumblr was there was a piece of fan art that I saw by Random Dragon that um, and I, I I remember it because it's being talked about in the chat. Um, uh, Rowena blames Dax's art and Zach and Emma recreating it. So I saw this one piece. I thought it was hilarious, and so I you know basically showed up. Uh, to the recording studio with the idea that me and Emma, who plays Cap uh, Commander uh, Minkowski, Minkowski, um, would like stand in the same position, take the photo. I got the shirt that said "Bye and Hella Kwai," um, and uh, that was it from the the fan art, um, and uh, and that was my first like step into the Tumblr verse um, that has since gotten me hooked and playing with these amazing. Uh, people who have, you know, created such an incredible community around the show. And I think that that is when growth really started to happen, when the first spark of a community started to happen, and we saw ourselves interacting with it more and participating and reacting mm -hmm. to it and feeding it. And that's when all of a sudden we kind of went from, oh, there were like about 100 people listening to the show to, whoa, there's now kind of all of a, hundred, all of a sudden a thousand people listening to the show over the course of a summer. And now I think that we're at a couple of thousand. And I think that really, you know, I feel that oftentimes people feel that we appreciate our growing fandom more in terms of pieces of art that show up online or sort of reactions that we hear from people or amounts of fanfic that we see rather than sheer numbers, but it's all so interconnected. And it really is one of those yeah. things that, that ended up being a much better marketing campaign and a much better indicator of growth than anything that we did. Like, that's the thing that's tough about this question. It's like, there's nothing that I can say to somebody to like, you know, that, that's why I say focus on making something that you love. Cause I think the one thing that we found is that, you know, in our nerdy off, you know, off center taste, we're not alone. And so by making something that we love, we've inadvertently made something that other people love. And, and that's why I would say focus on that, because you can control that. You can't control somebody spending however much time it takes to make a piece of inspired work from your work, which okay. I think is the best way for other people to discover something. Well. So just a, a, for anybody who's listening who's you know considered or made something that we've seen or made something we haven't seen like thank you for taking that time it's, it really keeps us inspired so well said well before you guys figured out this that the, the best growth hack was making something that you love what are, what are some of the other crazy things that you tried oh. when you were doing the, the what early didn't we tried what didn't we try we tried all kinds of guerrilla marketing tactics when it really was just like our best friends and their cat listening to us and i remember um you know, we would, everything from going on various message boards and creating fake accounts and sort of doing, you know, oh, I hear you're looking for recommendations. Here's this awesome show that I found and just sort of trying to <laughs> artificially get that, um, totally oh and get that conversation rolling. Um, and, the you know, the marketer in me is crying right now. Just oh yeah, no, it's, it's terrible, it's awful. 
Um, and, you know, trying to sort of like get as many things as we possibly could, pointing back to our website, creating sort of like the links in various yeah. places. We really tried to do kind of the stereotypical growth hacking thing of just like create your online presence. Yeah. Um, and the effect that that had was like, <laughs> just like no blips, yeah. no bumps, no spikes, nothing. Um, I think that the one good thing that did come of it was that later on, um, because we sort of took the time to say, create the first entry in the TV tropes that like link back to us, then that later on, like a year later, someone was able to go in there and expand upon it. So those were kind of things that paid off way, 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 way later. Um, but in terms of like short um, term growth hacks, just like completely and absolutely no results. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, the startup series that Stanford did with Y Combinator that's on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's Paul Graham who's like, when you hear growth hacks, replace that with BS because there's nothing <laughs> you can do other than making something that people love to have something grow. And, and I, I, that really resonated with me when I heard that months after we tried all the things that we tried that as far as I can tell did nothing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, you know, I think just getting clear about like as a, as a team, I guess, whether you're a startup or a podcast, like what it is you want to get better at and who it is you want to work with and then yeah. pick a measurement that most characterizes what, you know, that you're winning that game or not. And I think for us, it was, you know, we want to see how many people are listening to this thing over and over time and how many people are engaging with this thing and at what depth. And that will tell us if we're on to something or not. And we like, I want to get better at acting. He wants to get better at writing and show running. And, and inadvertently I've gotten better at producing. And um, so, yeah, I got better at bringing snacks. Yeah. Okay. That's a skill we that I discovered. Snacks. Let me just tell you. No, that's it. That's where it's at. at. Good, good snack game, hard to find in my experience. So I'm going to on that. Um, so uh, we have a few minutes uh, left in the show. I want to make sure that we get everybody's questions in the, that are, that are sure. right now. So uh, one of the questions came in asking about the fact that you guys have a lot of foreshadowing and clues that listeners will find the second time through an episode. How do you manage to put them in when they hint so far ahead? Talk a little bit about uh, your season planning, not just episode by episode. Our deviousness. Yes. <laughs> um, Deviosity. <laughs> so. Delicious. There are. So it's half and half. There's definitely two or three really big plot lines that from season one, yep. we knew that the show was going in that direction. And right. I am obsessive. And once I know those things are up, I tend to really flesh out a lot of the details. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that kind of gave us the ability to put in some things here and there um, that are just like, oh, when someone listens to this a year later, they're going to catch the fact that the name on this box refers back to this other person. Uh -huh. So those were those are the smart and actually intelligent ones. That and, accounts and just to, like the example of that would be the previous crew, right? With uh, Fourier's journals, right? Um, being found, mm -hmm. you know, who's become mm -hmm. a, a cult. 
classic among the uh, the Tumblrverse, even though we've never heard from her. A single word. What her deal is. Um, but then the rest of the time, it really is more of a, I'm writing an episode and I go back to an old script and I look for something that we mentioned as a one-off detail that could come back, could come back and be paid off. Like it is as much about looking backwards as it is about thinking ahead. And there is um, yeah. definitely a big part of things that we do that seem like we have absolutely everything planned out that is actually, we just put a lot of details and don't always pay them off immediately and kind of give ourselves the ground to go back. Um, there is a rather sizable callback in the next episode that um, will make it seem like we were years ahead of our time when we planned <laughs> and it's actually I went back and I looked back at the old script and I found that one offline and I kind of went wait a second here's a gun I never fired I can use this yeah it's a lot better right. on the old Nokia phones snake where it's like, <laughs> you know the more you eat the more tail you have to refer to and so I think it's as much looking back as it is looking ahead as we you know Sure. Exactly. You look like we. But here's the thing: you guys realize we're recording this show, right? This is going to get to your fans. They're going to know now. The magic's gone. You, the thrill is gone. You have to oh, we like. The truth the matter is, we we do our best to advertise the lack of magic so many times, <laughs> and like we have tried yeah. so often to just be like, really, guys, we're making this up as we go along. Like that, that's part of the magic, yeah. right? I think the problem is right. A rep for massive trolling, and so yeah. it's always one of those like you have no idea what we're doing, or right. but really we don't. <laughs> right. No, but that's that's smart. Giving yourself a, for a script groundwork, I think, is really important there, and I, I think that you guys have found I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal way to ensure that you know lots of throwaway lines can either stay throwaway lines, or you can use them as an opportunity to bounce the, the characters in a different direction. I think that's, absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah, and you always so, want to. You always want to reward repeat listens. Is the thing you always want mm -hmm. to give something to the person that takes the time to go through it again, and you want to make sure that it is something that will be fun, even if you already know how the story ends, and even if you know what like the big reveal is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, and and speaking of, so uh, one of our last questions, uh, Scott is asking. What would be your three top tips for someone who is just starting a scripted podcast? And may I say, it's great that we're getting it phrased this way because usually I'm the jerk that's like, if you could go back and start over and give yourself one piece of advice, <laughs> what would you give? So this is a better way to phrase that. I'm going to write this one down myself. Cheez-Its, Cheez-Its, and more Cheez-Its. That's right. Um, or go Pringles. <laughs> oh my God, he has so much high fives. Jesus. <laughs> um, Dang. Lol. Um, so I would say the single biggest thing you could do is work with people you love and define the roles really clearly early on and have there be one person to end all debates so that you can have forward momentum and actually ship something. That's the first thing. And that I'm considering that one thing. Sure. The team with clear roles. That's a really good one. That took like That's what was on top of my mind. Yeah. Um, I think that another good one is just um, 
just be patient. Um, audio is something that we're in the middle of a renaissance right now, and there's so much press going on about podcasting, and there's so much attention being given to things that it's sometimes easy to forget that podcasting is by and by still very much a niche thing. And even a lot of people who love podcasting don't enjoy audio dramas. It's kind of like an niche, a niche part of a niche cultural movement. Right. So don't expect, um, you know, don't expect to put something out and have everyone drop everything they're doing to go listen to it. Especially, um, especially your mom, because there's a lot of people who might really enjoy the story, but it might take them some time to kind of come around yeah. to a medium that is very rich and very rewarding, but is very much not what we're used to. Yeah. Now she threatens me for spoilers and <laughs> So yeah, just be patient. Give people the time to catch up. Give them a chance to get to the level where you're at and just give them something that'll be rewarding when they do. Yeah. And you get the last one. I think the, like, because you said scripted podcast, uh, you know, I have a lot to say about technology, mostly like, don't worry about it, just ship, um, you know. Right. Uh, but like, I think for the scripted part, structure. Yeah. Structure is so critical. It's the element on the writing side that I lean really heavily on Gabrielle for. Um, you know, I'm much more inclined to dialogue. Um, and so, you know, having, taking the time to really make sure you're telling the story you want to tell and taking the time to structure it. And I just recommend to everyone, Dan Harmon's article, super basic shit, uh, storytelling 101. It's on channel 101 forum. Um, you can just Google for it, like super basic shit, Dan Harmon, storytelling 101. I, I don't know. You'll find it. Um, it's copied in a couple places and that is I think the single most condensed like valuable resources about story structuring that I mm -hmm. recommend just go you know tattoo that on your brain and <laughs> move, go forth and succeed yeah, yeah. and the yeah. bonus track that I'll give is um, pay attention to what people are saying when they listen to your show listen to the audience reaction be aware of it but don't bend over backwards to please absolutely everybody. Um, like one of the best things that I ever heard about writing is that writing and receiving criticism is like partying at a bar. And you know, it's like if somebody walks up to you and tells you that you're drunk and you should go home, you can tell that person to screw off. If a second person walks up to you and tells you that you're drunk and you should go home, you get to tell that person to screw off. <laughs> but when the third person walks up to you and is like, you are drunk and you need to go home, That's what you, you are drunk there. and you need to go home. <laughs> right. um, and I feel that way with a lot of things about writing where it's like, if you put something out there and everyone on the continental United States and Argentina tells you that you've done something really terrible, maybe consider doing something about that. But if you're getting one person that is just very loudly telling you that they don't like something that you've done, that's probably okay. Yeah. You don't need to have yeah. every single person happy at you all the time. In fact, if you do, you should like take a look at if, you know, 
what you're doing. I just like I don't think you can make everyone happy. No, you need sort of like specificity and you need particularity in what you do, and that's going to inevitably make someone unhappy, and yeah. that's fine. And the, you don't get passionate fans by by not being polarized. And that, yeah, exactly. and that also, and in the like in the same hand, that doesn't give you permission to be a jerk to those people. Like their opinion is completely valid. <laughs> yes, and with, with with a lot of them, especially around Wolf Fifty Nine, like I think we even agree with a lot of them, and. It's just not the show, like, you know, to take some of that feedback would be to make a, a show that Wolf 359 is not. And, you know, to, yeah. to, you know, to sacrifice the integrity of the characters and the world building. And, yeah, I think, you know, we are, we are in it to tell a story that moves people and touches people and, and sometimes ruins their day. <laughs> um, only sometimes. Only sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Once in a while. And, you know, and like, and I, I love things like, you know, Night Vale that, that can, you know, sort of do that and sort of split the bill with social commentary. And, and, you know, I think from early on, that wasn't necessarily what we set out to do. And I love how the fandom has, you know, has really brought diversity into a show that on the face of it, you know, it, it isn't, I, we, we don't see the people. We don't talk about those things because um, I think that we're very much like building a roller coaster for people before we're building anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that would be a, that would be our advice. Three and a bonus track. That's good advice. Well, um, I think I speak for all of us here at Startup Jab when I say you guys are doing some really incredible and impressive work and we're really excited. We're really excited to see how it continues to, to build and grow. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Really, good. thank you for coming and joining us today. This is awesome. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Cool. Um, so uh, if people are learning about Wolf 359 for the first time by, by hearing the show, um, where should they go? What should they check out if they're interested in hearing the shows or learning more about the work that you guys are doing? Wolf359.fm is our website first place. That, that is the portal will take you to everywhere. You can yep. download every single piece of media that we have produced right there. And that's www.wolf359.fm. And for those who are unfamiliar, .fm, I think it's like some island somewhere, but it's also a kind of radio, so .fm is the website. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> And you can also find us on iTunes by just searching Wolf359. You can, um, you know, we have very active communities on Tumblr and on Twitter. But the website is really the main place to start. Yeah, and Tumblr would be wolf359radio.tumblr.com. And you can just put Wolf359 with the space between the Wolf and the 359 in the search for the uh, hashtag that we're on there. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. Much no, thank you, guys. This is awesome. Cool. Uh, Teague, where can everybody find you if they have questions or want to follow up? If you have questions about running a startup and want to talk to me about them, you can find me at teaguehopkins.com. That's T-E-A-G-U-E-H-O-P-K-I-N-S.com. There you go. And I'm available Jason. at Jason Nellis, at J-A-S-O-N-N-E-L-L-I-S. Uh, and of course, additionally, you can reach out to us through the Startup Jab website, startupjab.com, where you can also subscribe to our mailing list, subscribe to our iTunes feed, really subscribe, I think would be the call to action we're really going for here. I think really what we share with the Wolf 359 guys is subscribe. I feel <laughs> like if we had to sum this all up in one action, subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. <we> yeah. <laughs> all right. 
Um, thank you guys again. We really appreciate you joining us. Teague, yeah. as always, you're a spectacular co-host. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week for a new episode of Startup Jab. And uh, Teague, I say play us out. You got it. We are known and feared for our dance moves. <laughs> Mostly feared. <laughs> like 99% feared. <laughs>